Well, I want to talk to you this morning about another uh, parade that we need to remember. I will always remember this parade. Um, it just was even better than I thought it would be. But I want to talk to you about a parade uh, to remember that took place in Jerusalem back in the first century. We're in the 21st century. So you're going to have to kind of go way back. And uh, I want us to open our Bible, if we will, to the Gospel of Luke and read this story. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Jimmy read part of it a moment ago. The story of Jesus making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem is recorded in each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this morning, I'm going to be reading out of the Gospel of Luke, and uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, there's no way to read from one that everybody has the same because there's so many different translations, but I love the way this translation uh, records this story. So if you'll look with me in Luke chapter number 19, and we'll begin in verse number 28. It begins in this translation by saying, after telling this story. Now you say, well, after telling what story? Well, if you look back in the same chapter in verse 11, of course, Jesus has been in Jericho and is, and uh, that's where he had that encounter with the Zacchaeus, the little man in the sycamore tree. Well, down in verse 11, it says, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was near in Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. And Jesus told a parable of these ten servants. That's the story. So now go back to verse 28. It makes sense. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, if you've been to Jerusalem, or if not, you've seen a picture of the big Mount of Olives, over on the back side, down at the very bottom of the Mount of Olives, are these two little uh, villages, really. We call them towns, uh, Bethany and Bethphagia. Well, that's what we're talking about. He sent two of his disciples ahead. He said, go into that village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that coat, just say, the Lord needs it. Now, in this translation, it first said donkey, young donkey, and now it's saying coat. A, a coat is a male donkey, four years of age or less. Once a male coat becomes four years of age, then it's known as a donkey. So, that's, so we're going to have this little coat here. Just tell them the Lord needs it. So they went and found the coat, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that coat? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. Now, in the Gospel of John, only John talks about palm branches. The other three Gospels don't mention those, but John does. Now, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. 
Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. They're singing some psalms that we read in our psalms. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. And in the book of Psalms, we read several places where nature offers praise to God. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, verse 41, this is our big verse this morning. But as they came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, the Bible says Jesus began to weep. Now, that's a very that's a very interesting statement, verse number 41. Now, in the New Testament, there are only three records of Jesus weeping anywhere at any time. Now, he may have wept many times. Let me remind you, in fact, I wish you'd just turn over in John, the Gospel of John. You'll want to mark this verse. Turn over in the very last chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter number 21, and be reminded that everything Jesus did and everything Jesus said is not in the Bible. In John chapter 21, verse 25, the Bible says Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that they would be written. So everything Jesus did is not in the Bible. But what we do have in the Bible, three different times that Jesus wept. One of those we just read on Palm Sunday. He wept when he looked and saw the city of Jerusalem. A second time that Jesus wept, the Bible tells us, and we'll see it in a moment in the book of Hebrews, actually, that he wept uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that experience where he withdrew and prayed and asked God, you know, if it would be his will, remove this cup. But he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Well, we're going to look at that in just a moment. And then the third time that the Bible tells us that Jesus wept, Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And that's where I want us to begin this morning. Now, you're in the Gospel of John, so turn back to chapter number 11. And let us look at that record very, very briefly. We'll look at it. John chapter 11, that whole chapter deals with the, with the death of Lazarus. You know, Lazarus had the two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they were very good friends of Jesus. Jesus spent much time in their home in Bethany. Well, word came to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick. And the Bible tells us that uh, he waited two more days before he even began to make his journey over to Bethany. But when he got there, of course, Lazarus had died. And in fact, if you look in, you're in John chapter 11, maybe uh, in verse, let's pick up in verse 32. It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Now, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. And Jesus said, where have you put him? And they told Jesus, Lord, come and see. And then in verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus wept. Now, that's very, very interesting. We'll come back to that in a moment. But, you know, as I've thought about that, 
The Bible is filled with example after example of people who wept. I think about Abraham. The Bible tells us that he wept when his wife Sarah died. I think about Jacob. The Bible tells us when they gave him word that his son, Joseph, had been killed and eaten by the wild animals, the Bible tells us that Jacob wept. And then when you read a little bit more in the book of Genesis, uh, and you read about Joseph himself, you remember when he revealed himself to his brothers, the Bible said he wept. And then right near the end of the book of Genesis, when, when Joseph's father, Jacob, died, the Bible tells us that Joseph fell at his feet and wept bitterly. He wept so very much his father had died. Then, of course, as you read in the Psalms, over and over you read about David weeping. And then I think about King Hezekiah. You remember one day, you've heard the story, uh, the, prophet, the prophet Isaiah went to him and said, God has given me a word, King. You need to get your house in order. You're going to die. Well, that would make a man weep, would it not? And uh, if you read that story, of course, what he did, he prayed to God. And at the, end of, at the end of that prayer, after he had prayed, is when he wept. And then, of course, God gave uh, the prophet Isaiah a, a second word, said, go back and tell him that I've heard his prayers, and I've seen his tears, and I'm going to give him 15 more years to his life. And he did. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But here's this man of God, a king, and he's weeping. Of course, Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, he wept over Jerusalem. Now, Peter... Simon Peter, on the third denial of Jesus, the Bible says as Jesus turned and looked at him, the Bible says that Peter wept bitterly. Now, I mention all of those. These men that I've mentioned, they were spiritual giants. <laughs> These aren't just some, you know, average Joe Blows. I've just named some of the great people of God that we have record in the Bible, and they wept. And then we come to Jesus. All God, all man, Jesus himself wept. Now, if you look at that little word wept in verse number 35, that, that word simply means a slight bursting into tears. It doesn't mean that he was crying out and wailing out. In fact, if you look back in verse 33, it says when Jesus saw Mary, Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing, that's one level of weeping. That's not what this word means. It says when Jesus wept, it means just some, some tears began to kind of trickle down his cheeks. So you know, you've had those times. We've all had those times. It's different than when we just might want to say, I've just lost it, man. I can't control my tears. I can't control my emotions. Well, now that's not what Jesus had happen here at all. Now, now the question always comes to my mind, why would Jesus have wept at that point? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus back to life again. Why did he weep? Well, I think one reason he wept he was all human. Jesus, 100% human, 100% God. The God-man. No one else ever liked that. And the human of Jesus wept. I think another reason Jesus wept, he was a friend. And, and not only that, 
I think he wept seeing how all those in that crowd were grieving and how they were hurting. And that just, of course, that just reminds me that, you know, that when you have friends and you have family members, they open the door to grief because they, like all of us, are mortal. Like all of our family members and all of our friends, unless we perceive them, they will perceive us. And so when you have dear friends and you have your sweet family and they precede you, it's only human and natural that we weep. And to me, that is such an important thing. I read this scientific study about tears, the difference, the contrast between happy tears and sad tears. Now, we've all had happy tears sometimes. You've seen people, maybe sometimes yourself, something's just so funny, you begin to laugh so hard you actually cry. Well, that, that's what you call happy tears. Now, sad tears is another story. Well, this scientific study said that the contrast between what's in sad tears and what's in happy tears, that actually sad tears sad tears release the toxins in the body and it's part of letting the pain and the emotion that's inside of you come out of you actually the sad tears work like a healing work and i thought now that's a very interesting thing that's a very insightful thing and i i say this all to say to you listen when you have family members and you have friends and they precede you and you have tears, it's not that your faith is bad. Your problem is you're human and the human is going to be human. And we ought always to remember this. But the fact of the matter is tears are not just confined to physical death. There are many things that cause us to weep and to cry. A person may lose their health. A person may lose their job. A person may have a relationship that is very dear to them and something happens to destroy that relationship. Uh, A dream, a hope that you just knew would come true. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And so there's an endless list of things that can make people weep. Now, That helps me when I think about Jesus wept. Well, so did Abraham and so did all those other people. So, (laughs) you know, when I have things that would make me have sad tears, when you have things that would make you have sad tears, it's not that you have bad faith. It's that you are human and that's how it works. Two quick words about tears. Number one, no two people grieve exactly alike. I've learned that. You just never know what's going on down inside of a person. And the second thing that helps me is to understand is that that grieving is a process. And some people, some of us, take longer to get through the process than do others. Some of us express our grief in a different way than do others. But God understands and God helps and it always blesses me. Well, a second time that Jesus wept, 
uh, Jesus wept when he was struggling doing, uh, doing God's will. Now turn over, if you will, to the book of Hebrews. It's, it'll be to the right. It'll be over kind of near the end of the uh, New Testament. The book of Hebrews, work your way over to it. I want to show you a verse. You may, may or may not have the verse marked, but I want you to mark Hebrews chapter number 5 and look down with me, if you will, in verse number 7. You would not think that a person would weep when they're seeking to know God's will or doing God's will. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus is an example they do. In Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 7, the Bible says, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Now, that is referring to his experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. I alluded to that a little earlier. And here's this verse in Hebrews. It's telling us a little bit more detail about that. So Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, struggling to do the will of God, would do the will of God. And yet in that process, he shed tears. Now, as I thought about that, I thought about my own life. And I thought in my entire Christian life, there have been four times that I have wept either seeking God's will or doing God's will that come to my mind. And time won't let me tell a story, but I'll just quickly mention them. Time number one was when God called me into the ministry, I had to go to seminary. And to do that, we had to leave our home in Atlanta, Georgia, and move to Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, John then was was six months old, so he was really not emotionally involved in that move. But just the fact that where Bloody and I had both grown up, all of our family, all of our friends, that's one of the saddest days. Like, I, I, I cried like a baby. When I get through telling these illustrations, you're going to be so disappointed in me. But I just cried like to leave my mama and my daddy and everybody I knew and go somewhere where we didn't know anybody. So I wept, but I knew, I felt like I was doing God's will. I never questioned him. I'm just saying it was hard. Number two time that comes to my mind where I wept like a baby was when we had finished pastoring the First Baptist Church in the North City of Tennessee. We'd been there about nine years. And uh, God was moving us from there to First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs, Texas. I'll never forget that day. We picked the boys up at school when school got out that afternoon, and we made our way to Texas. We went as far as Nashville, and I cried from Knoxville to Nashville. You say, you just had little tears? No, I cried like a coward. I cried like a baby. And, I, but, you know, and then the other time, of course, I remember it's why we were in Sulphur Springs, one, there was a period of time during those nine years that we were dealing with the church in Dallas area. We were dealing with the church in Dallas area. And we had talked to them several times. They had been to Sulph Springs. We had been there. But, but one weekend, we were there to meet with our committee to come to some conclusion about what God's will was. It was a Friday night. And we had met with that committee in a hotel. And they finally left, and it was just Dottie and me in the hotel. We had walked them to the door while they went out the front door of the hotel. And we came back, and uh, we were in the lobby of the hotel. 
And I don't remember if anybody else was in the lobby other than Dottie, but I don't recall there being many people in that lobby. It was late at night. And I remember I just sat down in a chair in the lobby and cried like a baby. And Dottie came over to help me. And she wasn't much better than I was. It was like the blind helping the blind. <laughs> so I was just trying to know God's will. And then the fourth time, the fourth time that I really wept, I'm talking about wept, trying to do God's will, was doing God's will, is when it came time to leave Sulphur Springs and come here. That was one of the darkest days of my life. Because when it actually got time to move, John was already at Baylor. He was, he was absolutely no help whatsoever. <laughs> but Joel, he was still a senior in high school. And he was going to stay in Sulphur Springs. Dottie was going to stay in Sulphur Springs. And I got in that car that day by myself to come down here. And I even almost weep thinking about it. That was a day. But now I say that not for sympathy's sake. I say that to ask you a question. Can you recall anything in your life where you felt like you were trying to do or know God's will that made you weep? You've not had time to ponder that, but put that maybe in the back and kind of ponder it. You know, as you go through life, it's not all about being a minister. We all want to live our life obeying God. Could I have an amen to that? And in this world that we now live, if you're serious about trying to obey God, to raise your children, to do what the Word of God teaches, etc., I'm telling you, sometimes just trying to do the will of God can bring tears. Well, Jesus wept doing the will of God. And then the third time Jesus wept is on this Palm Sunday trail, this Palm Sunday walk we read about earlier. I have a picture of this going up on the screen. Um, well, go ahead and put the next picture up. Uh, there's what I want. Now, there is a picture from the top of the Mount of Olives, beginning the descent, going down the Palm Sunday Trail. And when you get about halfway down that trail, not quite, but almost, there's a little there's been a chapel built that's called Teardrop Chapel. They're going to put that on the screen. It's one of the most beautiful, beautiful little chapels. It's somewhere in that area, you know. When you go to the Holy Land, the, <laughs> they've built something over every little inch over there and said, Jesus stood here and Jesus. Well, you don't know if Jesus stood there. But he's, the Mount of Olives is the Mount of Olives. The Sea of Galilee is the Sea of Galilee. So, Somewhere in that area, Jesus stopped. And so they have that little chapel, the teardrop chapel. Now, let me pause. I would, boy, this would be a great week to be in Israel. I've always thought all these trips we've made. Of course, we never go during this time because Passover's going on and it's a crowd. You can't turn around. Well, it wouldn't be that way over there now. But having said that, I, I want to tell you something this morning. Um, can y'all go back to the Palm Sunday Trail picture? Can y'all back that up? Yeah, these guys are geniuses, yeah. All right. I want to do that one more time. And I was going to do it this last trip, and of course, God and I didn't get to go. And so over this past week, I said to Dottie, God willing, 
The virus surely will be over by 2023 over there. It wouldn't go anywhere. Hope it'll be over much sooner than that. But in the spring of 2023, God willing, and we have health to do it, I want to go one more time to the Holy Land. And if some of you want to go, you can go with us. And if you don't, we'll just go without you. <laughs> I'll not be too old. I want to go in the spring before I turn my next birthday. So I'll still be young at that point. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you walk down that, many of you have been down that. And even though we're not there, we're here in my mind, in my emotions, in my heart. That's where Jesus is walking down. And he looked and saw the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says he wept. Why did he weep? I'll tell you why. He wept because they had missed their opportunity to receive him as Messiah. And now it was going to be too late. And he wept. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a frightening thought in a way to me. I wonder today, I can't speak for God, uh, certainly none of us can, but I can't help but believe when God looks down today in America, do you not think God weeps to see this mess we're in? You see, what's happened to us? We're trying to solve all of our problems and figure out how to live by politics. And neither the Democrat Party or the Republican Party, when you start doing anything that contradicts the Word of God, you're heading down a wrong road. And I've never been more proud of a pope than I was Pope Francis on March the 15th when he shocked, <laughs> he shocked the world, I think, when he issued his decree that priests could not bless same-sex marriage. And I thought to myself, if I knew how to call a pope, I'd call him. But I doubt a Baptist preacher can get the pope on the phone. I don't know about that. But I was interested in what he said. He said the reason is, and I quote Pope Francis, he said it's not ordered to the Creator's plan. And he said, and I quote, you cannot bless sin. Folks, as I listened on the radio after he did that, and television, some of the big known people made statements like this. The Catholic Church needs to get in the 21st century. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, no, the 21st century needs to get in the Word of God. Amen. That's what we need to do. And, you know, I was reading in my Bible, it's, it's just back, way back in the book of Exodus in my Bible reading this week, God said to Moses, how quickly have my people turned away from the way I commanded them to live. So today, as we see all of the things going on and things that are said to be, it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that and we're going to declare abortions as legal and that's just not what the book says. And so what I'm saying to you is we just need to go to the book and not let 
the politicians or the government or anybody else. We can't change the world, but we can stand on God's Word and stand on what God teaches, and that will be a struggle that will perhaps even bring tears outwardly, certain inwardly. Now, here's the good news in all this. The good news this morning, it's for everybody in this room, for everybody that's watching, you have not missed your opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior.